Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Apostolic Tabernacle. We are passionate about connecting our community to Christ and spreading the apostolic message around the globe. This ministry exists because of the generosity of people like you. You can always give an offering at www.aptabupc.com forward slash give, or you can text give to 678-846-6522. That number again is 678-846-6522. Now join us for the service already in progress. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Well, I got the Holy Ghost when I was 11. You can tell I'm older. And it's been a joy to walk with the Lord and to be in the presence of the Lord. Does anybody know that the devil is a defeated foe? He's already defeated. But that doesn't take away from the the pain and I feel like this song is a confirmation of the message today and so if you have your Bibles we're going to look at Acts chapter 16 if you could want to stand with us we're going to read just real quick a couple scriptures I want to preach to you from Acts chapter 13 and I, I hope you can receive today what the Lord is speaking to the church I want to talk about the fear that grips hearts and grips people's minds and affects them they're afraid their spouse is going to leave them or they're fearful that they're going to lose their job or their money is going to be evaporate somewhere all kinds of fears And I would like to use uh, the story here in Acts 13, beginning in verse 6. And uh, so I'm going to just read a few verses because I'd like you to hear it. And I'm reading from the authorized King James. And when they had gone through the Isle of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which, of course, is Hebrew which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who was called, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of the Lord. So he was pretty sincere. And Elymas the sorcerer, now notice his name has changed. Elymas the sorcerer, for so is his name, by interpretation what they're telling you is i we've given you a hebrew a name he went by which was malarkey have you ever heard that word okay that's a that's another foreign word all right he his name was no more bar jesus than than it was humpty dumpty but but that's what he was going by and uh, he thought he was going to impress a few folks but his real name his greek name was elemas which by interpretation he's telling us here is sorcerer which is not good So Elymas the sorcerer withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also was called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, now it's going to be hard to hear it, O full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cause 
or cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord. And now he won't he won't stop what he's doing. Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Now, before you sit down, before we put our Bibles down, I want to tell you that I want to preach to you from the subject, breaking the yoke of fear. Breaking the yoke of fear. Does anybody feel the Holy Ghost that's in this place? We need to break the yoke of fear. Our culture is filled with it. I do not mean that there aren't fears that are normal. If you're sitting by a sick child, there's certain things go through your mind. I'm talking about breaking the yoke of fear. Put your Bible down if you'd like. I want you to lift your hands and let's ask the Lord to anoint this place. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. Father, right now, thank you for each one under the sound of my voice. I pray for the anointing and the and the power of God. Like Paul in, in his world, we face gripping circumstances that can fill hearts with fear, but you are God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please, Lord, break the yoke of fear. Fill our hearts with the courage of faith for whatever we must face and we ask it all in the precious name of Jesus Christ put your hands together one more time before we're seated Lord we thank you for your presence and your anointing right now in Jesus name amen now you may be seated I'm going to go back through a couple of things here and and uh and I want you to see if you could follow me for just a moment I believe that God is giving the church in this hour. Many of you are hungry for God, and just as Sergius Paulus was, you're, you're hungry. Many people around us are hungry. But these are very difficult times where people, they're not sure how to even plan ahead. They're not sure if their jobs are going to be uh, available. They're not sure if, if they're going to get sick or what it would mean if they did get sick and so on. We're, we're just in a time when, of, let's call it uncertainty, and it's been a rather unusual year of course as you know but Acts chapter 13 beginning in verse 6 uh, gives us the story of uh, Paul of the apostle as God gives him strength in the midst of a difficult time it says when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos now Paphos I'll come back to that but the isle they were they were going through the area of Cyprus way out there in the Mediterranean and they came to the city of Paphos now Paphos is the place I know all of you know this but just let me bear with me it was where Aphrodite who is the god I'm, I call her the god of Hollywood all right, she's the God of Hollywood. That's the easiest way to say it without getting, and since uh, we have a number of mixed ages in here. So she was the God of Goddess of Hollywood, and, and, and the mythology tells us that there at Paphos, she was born of the waves. Now I want to tell the devil something here today. He may think he's got something against you, and he may think he's somebody, but he is already a defeated foe. Praise God. Hey, you may say to me, Brother French, I'm not what I should be, but I've got to tell you, my friend, God already knows where you are. He already knows all about your circumstance. Hallelujah. 
And so they, they come to Paphos, the city of Aphrodite, and uh, that's it. it's its own story. They found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet. Now, you know, the devil always thinks if he's got the right setting and the right lie out there to make people believe it, some, something that gets their mind confused, if he can just get someone that is a mouthpiece for that, a false prophet. In, in the Bible, is very clear to say a Jew whose surname was Bar-Jesus. But, of course, his Greek name was Elymas. Verse 8 says, now, look what he attempted to do to thwart the gospel. You may wonder sometimes why you have good intentions. And many times you thought, you know, I'm going to go to church. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a difference. Now, a lot of people look around at religion. They're not sure. You know, church like us, we're jumping around. <laughs> And, and uh, I remember the first time I went to a Pentecostal church. I thought, my goodness, why do they have pews? And, uh, uh, and, and, the, and the church that I went to uh, wasn't, this, wasn't this exact kind of church, but it was very, very in many ways similar. And, uh, and, and they were just literally running all over the place. Which we kind of do that. I mean, we run up, we run around. We don't realize how much we're moving around. And if we're not, if we're not running, we're we're doing this, or we're, we're you know, we're kind of moving, and and uh, there's all kinds of things going on. And so some people look around at the church, and and they look around. You could go to a church where you can hear a pin drop. In fact, in some churches, if a pin dropped, they would call nine one one immediately. Because that's just the way they conduct what they're doing. That's the way, that, that's, that's their means of worship and so on. I want to tell you something. Nobody's going to take my worship from me. I have come to praise the Lord. God's been too good to me, my friend. Oh, yes, he has. God's been good to me. And all, there's something else. You cannot deny the power of God. Hey, if you want, if you want a dead, boring... Uh, but you can go almost anywhere and get that. So I don't, I don't want to come to the house of God and that be what... But the fact of the matter is that it's joy. Anybody found joy unspeakable in the things of God? Well, Elymas hated this. Elymas hated the truth that Paul had brought and about Christ. Oh, I want to tell you, my friend, the devil hates the things of God. And he works against you before you even know that he's working against you. The Bible says he withstood them, which is another way of saying he opposed what they were doing, seeking to turn Sergius away. And he was what they called the deputy, or we would say a governor, I think now. But anyway, he was the deputy of Cyprus to turn him from the faith. And so the devil already has a plan. If he sees that you're starting to move toward the things of God, he already has a plan in order to keep you from faith. And the very first tool he's going to use is fear. And of course, what we're seeing in our culture right now in the world in which we, in which we live, because we can't, we don't know how to, uh, we don't know, uh, the science. We don't know all the details. We know we got to wash our hands. And so I run over here and, and then I can wash my hands and I can put a mask on. So I got my mask and, and I can be careful. I can distance all the things that we're supposed to do. But, but what they, what the devil hopes, and I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of uh, making too strong of a parallel here, but what the devil thinks is that if he can upset our 
our world that he can stop the gospel. But I've got news for you, my friend. He cannot stop the gospel. God is too powerful. Hallelujah. Sergius Paulus. God has already got your name. He's already got your name. Praise God. So there you have it. Falsehood and deceit aligned by hell. Hell wanted to use falsehood and fraud to hinder the gospel and keep someone from what God has for them. I believe today, and it's not because I'm somebody, I'm nobody. It doesn't matter how many degrees I have or what I've got or who I am. It's the God that I serve. And God is in this place. And he has designed this very place for the touch of God that you're longing for. So the, the enemy and hell wanted to turn the heart from faith. But I'm going to preach. There's a faith that breaks the yoke. There's a faith that breaks the yoke. Hell is constantly devising ways to hinder your attempt to reach out to God. So here we are today in the house of the Lord. There are people that want, that long for the power of the Spirit of God. Now they may not want to run around. First time I came to a church and saw somebody uh, fall out on the floor, I thought, whoa, they need a doctor. That's the first thing I thought. I didn't think, wow, that was a power of God. I thought they need a doctor. In fact, the first time I came into Pentecostal church and they passed out on the floor, I was thinking, why isn't anybody calling 911? Of course, a little bit later, I found that that happened every service. And they were pretty well okay. And uh, something was happening uh, in their lives. But, uh, but God is already working in this place right now. He's already moving in this place right now. You say, well, I'm just here. I'm passing through. No, no, no. You never get away from the God. You never get away from the God that's reaching for your heart and your life. You think you're going to get away from it. My brother was one of these guys who, who thought he could run from God. But you know what? God got a hold of him right where he was. You see, God can reach, and, and it just on and on. We've got dozens of people here that it looked like they were running faster than God could run. But God, when they got there, there God was right where they were, right where they were running to. Now, let me add in uh, the prophet Isaiah, who's speaking great words of truth uh, to uh, to lift our faith and so i'm going to read an important passage from the prophet isaiah isaiah 58 and 6 you mind read it you don't have a mic over there grab that i want i want to i want to give this a little a little bit of pizzazz here i don't want to just mention it because i i believe it is a critical and i've only i know i just have a brief time here but i want to read this ancient uh scripture about fasting it's specifically about fasting and getting a hold of God although I'm not preaching a sermon about fasting but I'm preaching about breaking can you say breaking breaking that's an that's a very uh, interesting concept and so Isaiah are you uh oh you have a mic Isaiah 58 and uh 
and 6. Why don't you just read that, read the verse. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? Yes. To loose the bands of wickedness. I'm going to loose the bands of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To undo the heavy burdens. And to let the oppressed go free. Let the oppressed go free. And that ye break every yoke. And that you break every yoke. Hallelujah. So the will of God is to break, to loose the bands of wickedness. Hallelujah. Of course, through fasting, but fasting is, a, is, an, a, is an aspect of faith and that you would let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Can you say praise the Lord? So there's a faith that breaks the yoke of fear. Now, faith is the will of God to lift us up. Sometimes you may not feel the best. Maybe you're going through uh, difficulty. Maybe you're nowhere near where you need to be with God. But you come to the house of God and in faith you go ahead and you lift your hand and praise God. Does anybody need a healing here today? Maybe there's something in your life you've not, you've, you've not gotten a healing but you need it. But when you begin to praise God... When you begin to praise God, I remember the hardest thing I ever did as a younger man. I used to be younger, okay? And, and they diagnosed my son, my middle son, two years old, with cancer. I want to tell you, that, that was one of the moments. I mean, there've been you can look at life and think, well, that, that was, wow, that was a tough moment. When the doctor said, that is cancer, in a two-year-old boy, and uh, and it seemed as though uh, that that's it. What what are we going to do? And I remember when the Holy Ghost began to speak to us as we got in the house of God. What are you to do? Sister French called and we was talking to some of the other ministers' wives about it. what do we? It, we don't know what to do. We're just a bunch of home. We're just home missionaries over here. We're not sure how to react to this. And Sister Freeman said, "You go back to church and you praise God." like you've never praised God lift up his name hallelujah I remember thinking I remember thinking that's a bunch of hogwash because see I'm an intellectual and so I begin to think well I don't want to be a hypocrite what I want to do is go and lay in the floor and weep like a baby and just kick my legs of course, you can't do that in public, but I'm, I just felt like, Lord, I, I want to tell you something. Why does a two-year-old have cancer? Why does anybody have cancer when we believe God can heal and do all this and so on? But folks, that's not the way it works. Oh, oh I feel the Holy Ghost here. That's not the way it works. Now, I'm not, I, if your child has cancer, did have, I'm, this is not, I'm judging nobody. I'm trying to tell you that when I, I realized that I had to find a way to break the yoke, I had to get past the choking fear that said, my baby has cancer. It's not easy. Oh, let me stop here. For some of you that think I'm going to jump off of the roof or something. Listen, when someone else's baby has cancer, can you be nice enough to not judge people? 
because their child is sick. I can't tell you. Here I am, an ordained minister. And this fellow came up and said, you know, we're in the altar. It's the closest I ever came to killing someone in the altar. I'm still talking about it. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to be a little bit older. And, uh, and I'm still talking about it. Every once in a while, it just comes to my mind. I don't know who he was. I, this is not. A, this, so don't think I'm. Well, think whatever you want to. So he walks up to me and I am literally dying in the altar. I don't know if I can get, I, if my baby doesn't make it, Lord. I don't know how I can even, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to even say. And this guy walks up and kind of taps me on the back. It was on this side. And he looks at me and I didn't know him. We were at a, we went to a meeting to try to get encouraged. And he looked at me and he said, Brother French, if you had any faith, that baby of yours would be healed. And I wanted to say, oh, I won't tell you what I wanted to say. Um, several things I wanted to say. And the Lord kept saying, oh, you ever heard the Lord tell you that? Oh, you move this way. Oh. Because I wanted to lay hands on him suddenly. I knew that was in the Bible. And, uh, oh, <laughs> Sister French, I tell you, it, it did something to me. I mean, it was like all of a sudden I realized, hey, my hope is not in this altar. My hope is not in somebody giving me the right word. And I know people did a, a lot of nice things. I'm, forgive me for bringing up that negative moment. But I, of course, I wanted so desperately to say, where in the Bible? See, later I can say it calmly. But I want to say it right there, and I want to grab him and say, uh, uh, but no, 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 don't do that. You're licensed. And uh, I want to say, where in the Bible does it say the dad's faith has to cause the cancer to leave? Aren't you a child of God? If you've got faith and you know all about faith, then why not your faith? Why don't you pray the prayer of faith right now? It's like only the dad can have the faith. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. And I want to tell you when I knew that was not the voice of God. I'm not judging him. I don't know who he was. I never tried to find out. Because I wanted to keep my life as pure as possible. <laughs> so, but I remember the Lord's when he said that. Because that, that basically made me feel like that I gave my own son cancer. That I was responsible. And I looked over and I saw Sister French. Who I know was the purest human being in the world. And that she had enough faith, I believe. I believe she could, she could, well, that just nothing she couldn't do if God wanted her to do it. And I said, that can't be the answer. Because that woman, I may be lacking, I don't know, because I have to look at myself. 
But that woman has faith right there. She has faith. Someone said, well, and, and we're going to get past. I'm trying to tell you, of course, what did God do? God healed that baby. That's what God did. But in the process, in the process, God got a hold of my life. He broke. Come on, put your hands together. He broke the bond. He broke the yoke. Hallelujah. Praise God. He broke it. And I feel that same Holy Ghost. I'm so stirred up. I, you're just going have to have to forgive me. I believe that no matter what's happening in our world, God is still the same. He's still working. And so faith lifts us up and breaks the chains. But fear makes us ashamed and puts us in bondage to its lies. It says, you're the cause of that. You're the one that did that. When it's a lie right from hell. The devil says, you will never speak in other tongues and you will never live a holy life. But that is a lie that came directly from the halls of Hades. It is not from God. God has ordained that something is going to happen. Paul was a young preacher taking the faith into brand new lands. An old, tired, self-focused fraud named Elymas which means sorcerer in the Greek, thought he could stop God. So what was it that made the difference? It was Paul's faith. You see, how many miracles took place in the middle of a disastrous moment? Did that mean they had no faith? No. It meant they had to know when faith was going to work in a particular way. Maybe it's your child that's sick. Maybe it's something else. Maybe you've been loving God your whole life, but you've been hungry for a, the power of God like they had in the Bible. And, and the devil keeps saying, no, 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 don't worry about that. It's not going to happen. Why we got a pandemic in the world when God is trying to say to you, I'm going to give you something that's going to challenge you and shape you like you have never been challenged before. It was Paul's faith. Sometimes you just have to look hell in the eye and tell it that it is no match for heaven. Heaven has the answer. Heaven is the answer. Sergius Paulus was an important leader. And he was truly interested in finding out about God. And I assure you that God knows how to help the seeking heart. You say, well, he's just a he's just a governor who he's just this. He's a politician or he's that, you know, every excuse in the world. But God knows already the seeking of the heart. And Elemas used the lie of fear to chain the heart chain. I'm, I'm using it as a verb to put a chain around the heart of Sergius and lock up his soul from the faith that he was seeking. Just like people will say to you, oh, don't go to that church because they're emotional. Now, if they're running into the wall and stuff like that, I mean, that, I could see that being a little, I mean, I can understand people not understanding emotion too. But don't let someone chain you with fear.
And let me say, there comes a time you've just got to tell the devil like it is. You just have to say, wait, wait a minute, devil. I may not be perfect. And I may not be able to get a hold of what I need. But get your hands off of me. Leave me alone. You just got to get a hold of the devil and say, leave me alone. You can't do that if you're fear-filled. And I just told you of a moment in my life, maybe the most, one of the moments, if I flash back to it, I almost inevitably weep. I inevitably feel the fear that I had. I'm not trying to tell you that fear doesn't come. I can't tell you a few months ago when my best friend died of COVID-19 that it did not do something to me. It gripped me. I had to wrestle. He, how much younger was Jeff than I am? Quite, quite a bit. And, and when I, I couldn't believe that God took him and his wife within 24 hours of each other. I couldn't believe it. I kept thinking, any minute they're going to get up. Trying to, trying to be honest with you. Some of you, you're not used to me. <laughs> trying to be honest with you. I'm not trying to tell you that having fear, just the, just the nature of fear, that that's something wrong. I'm not trying to, in other words, I'm not talking about macho. I'm not talking about being macho. No, no, no. I'm talking about not letting fear hold you back from what God has designed for your life. You've got to break the yoke of fear. You've got to break its yoke. Yes, I had that. I felt that way. But God gave me the victory. God gave me the victory. Now, okay, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. So now let's go a step further. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Clap your hands and act like you're going to say at least two or three more minutes. Now, let's look at verse 11. God's getting ready to take care of this Elemas fella. And he says, thou shalt be blind. This bothers a lot of people. I've preached this years ago. And I understand that when, when God strikes someone blind, now it was temporary. It says so right there. Now, if God chooses, uh, well, it just bothers some people. The Bible says immediately when Paul said it that the one who blinded the hearts of others. See, I see it as a symbol. So here's a man trying to keep someone away from God. That's why you need to be careful about making fun of godly things. See, we live in such a vulgar generation. We live in the most vulgar generation. And, but you need to be very, very careful. The one who blinded the hearts of others was blinded, the Bible says. Are you looking at it? If you still have your Bible open, a mist and a darkness. The, the, uh, well, we'll come back to that. So the very spiritual bondage that he placed on others suddenly came physically upon him. That is to say, what he was trying to do to people's souls, God did to his eyes temporarily. Verse 10 says that Elemas was full of mischief. 
Now, the way that's translated, I do teach Greek. I have a degree in Greek and Hebrew and Latin. Why is that so quiet? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and nobody cares. That's why I said that. So you can understand that that doesn't mean a thing. But I can tell you right now that when you translate this word. In fact, I was so intrigued when I was reviewing it to preach this morning that this word is used. Is everybody still awake? Can we take another second? Okay. That this word is used one time. So that's what the Greeks would call. I'm going to say it in Greek because I want to uh, show you that I know Greek. No, I'm just kidding. All right, it would be called a hapax, hapax lagamanon. That's Greek for one time. It said, lagama means say, it was said once. Hapax. One time. It's the only time it's ever said. Which means it's a word that's very... I mean, if you only use the word once and it's out there in the world and hardly ever used, then how do we know for sure what was meant with that one word? And why would they use a word that is so unusual that you only can find a few examples of it in the entire Greek world? So it's what we call, a, I, I, I just call it a hotbox. It's one of those words that's so rarely used. So when they translate it mischief, I, I can't judge them too harshly on that. Full of mischief. But the word actually means a fraud. He was full of fraud or fraudulent activity, a heart of, we sometimes call that trickery. And some Bibles translate it trickery. In other words, it was a heart that was constantly uh, trying to play games. That's, that's the word I was trying to get to. Playing games with God. But friends, this is not a time to be playing games with God. You want to play games with the kids? I understand that. But don't play games with God. Because Elemas, your day has come. The deceit that should not have existed now has affected your life. So what deceit can do must be viewed through faith. Whatever we're facing must be viewed through faith. Can you say praise the Lord? Now some of you want the Holy Ghost. And I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. I'm going to say it. You don't have to like it. You can disagree. I believe there are people here that want to get the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues just like they did in the Bible. That's what you want. You're longing for it. My brother came to church and he thought we were all wackos. And we did have a few, but most everybody was normal. But they were quite energetic. And he said, this is the craziest bunch I ever saw. And then he left. And before he got back, got in his car, the Spirit of God fell on him. See, that in Pentecost, that's what we mean like uh, you really start feeling something. And I mean, he's, the tears started running. He was a mess on drugs up to his eyeballs. I mean, he was one mess. But guess what? In that car outside of that apartment building at the university there in, in the University of Michigan, outside in the Toyota, he began to cry and say, oh, Jesus, oh, God, I, I didn't even know you were real. And before he could get out of that car, he was talking in other tongues. God had filled him right there. He didn't even know a, a Bible from, <laughs> I mean, he knew what a Bible was, but uh, I think he did. Um, 
he, he was a mess. But God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Does anybody believe God can do anything? There's somebody here today that's saying, Lord, I need the Holy Ghost. And some of you think, well, why is it so easy for Brother French? He just talks in tongues. He knows four or five languages, but why, how can he speak a language he doesn't know? Because the Holy Ghost is alive in us. Hallelujah. And it's real. And God is wanting to break the yoke of fear in you and bring you to Pentecost. Others are bind, bound by the fraud of world circumstances. They look about, for example, the pandemic, which is a reality and a very serious one. I just mentioned in my own personal life, I brought that up for a reason. I wanted you to know that that's still very painful in my mind. It shows that the pandemic is real, but the devil uses this out of fraud all the time, trying to make you believe that that in some way limits God. It does not limit God. God is not limited. God is in this place right now. Our God is a pandemic expert and has you in the palm of his hand. You can break the yoke of fear. How do you think the Hebrew boys felt being cast into a furnace of destruction? They didn't feel so good. So either your God is able to deliver you or not. If he's able then you have nothing to fear because we put our hand in the hand of the Lord. I wonder if you could just lift a hand and say, Lord, that's exactly how I feel. I put my hand in your hand right now and I praise you, Jesus, and I magnify you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In June of 1940, the entire world could see that England was in serious peril, basically of annihilation. I studied in England for six years and got my, my PhD there. And so I, I, I enjoy England. I, I have lots of horror stories about England, but I do like England. And I'm, I have a microphone. So I'm saying to all my British friends, I love England. Uh, but there were times, uh, but anyway, especially blood pudding. I never got a hold, didn't, never got into that. It was a little different. But I'll tell you what, every time I hear this account, and I'm gonna, this is it, I'm going to stop right here. In 1940, when Churchill came to leadership, and due to the advance of the Nazi forces, it appeared that everything was hopeless. Everybody said it was hopeless. Most of the leaders of Europe said it's over. France had fallen, Belgium had fallen, surrendered. Netherlands had fallen, <laughs> looked like Nazis were going to rule the world. And, and, and so uh, the leadership of, of Britain, uh, Churchill, uh, of course, in the, and I'm trying, I'm, I want to close right here, but <laughs> give me a second. So the, the, the forces of, of Britain, England, had been, see, they'd come right up to the island of, of Britain, and, and they were bombing the I mean, they were beating the soup. Is that okay, Sister Fred? Beating the soup? Okay, I can say beating the soup. Some things I can't say, but I can say that. So I may say that again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they were really giving it to them. I mean, they were bombing London like nobody's business. And they were trapped, and the British forces, there were tens of thousands of them up in France, and they were backed right against the, 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 the channel and, and in the middle of the night the word came for them to everybody that's got a boat 
boat and head over the channel. Get across all the way to France. And of course, it was top secret, but get, and nobody knew. Even the families didn't know where they were going. The dad would get up and say, I just got word. I gotta, I've got to go. I've got to go. It was absolutely hopeless. Of course, the goal was to get 45,000 men out of France before they were just annihilated. They figured at least a half a million would be slaughtered right there on the shore. And so they get, gave it everything they had, and those boats kept coming. These were just fishermen. These were just British commoners, just with their boats along. Of course, being an island all the way around, a lot of boats. And so they came through, and they went all the way there, and then all the way back. When they found out the next morning and they woke up and England heard it, 338,000 people, British soldiers. Well, a pretty good number of those were French soldiers, but I think about not less than 30,000 were French. The rest were British. They brought them across the channel right up into England and saved the lives of nearly half a million men. It seemed impossible, but that is what inspired Churchill's speech a couple days later. And I, I, wonder, I think I jotted down some of the words here. So even though he said, large tracts of Europe and many old and famous states have fallen or may fall into this grip of the Gestapo, we shall not fly nor fail. I hope something I'm saying today is giving you a sense that you do not have to let the yoke of bondage hold you, but you can have the faith. We shall go on to the end. I'm quoting just bits of it. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. With all of England at their radios listening. In fact, the whole world was listening. Uh, Roosevelt was listening. He was right there listening to every word. And then here's the, here's the end of it. I'm, and I'm done. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. That's the spirit that says, no, no, we're not giving up. We're not surrendering. I may wear this mask and I may do all these things, but my spirit is saying, we can conquer this. We can do what we need to do. And listen, my friend, the Holy Ghost that is here, I want you, could you stand? Musicians, come and help me out. I, here's what we're going to do. I want you to pray with me for just a moment. You can come and pray, and we will respect you. If you want prayer, you can say, yeah, come and pray with me. But if you don't, you can just pray, or you can pray where you are. But I want every saint of God that's comfortable to do it, I want you to make your way to the front. Musicians are coming. They'll, they'll play something. So this morning... I'm not merely speaking of heroism, of, of nationalism. I'm speaking of faith. It's time to rally to the confidence of the Holy Spirit. You can have what God has promised. Right where you are, you can receive the Holy Ghost. If you'll lift your hands and begin to pray and talk to God, if you have repented of your sins and you surrender yourself to baptism, you can receive what God has promised for you. Those that will, I'm inviting you to this. 
this altar. Praise God. Come on, as many as can right now. Come believing. Come to pray in the face of your circumstance. Now close your eyes with me wherever you are, wherever you're going to pray, and let's lift our hands to heaven, and let's thank you, Jesus. Father, right now I'm believing you. Lord, I pray that whatever burden, if you have a heavy burden today, I want you to lift your heart, and I want you to say, Lord, I surrender it to you right now. I'm surrendering my burden to you. Lord, I'm lifting my heart. God will meet you here. Hallelujah. As you lift your hands, believe, Lord, you're going to begin to speak through me in the Spirit. If you aren't fully repentant, then pour out your soul in repentance. I pour my soul in repentance. Hallelujah.